Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast, where we're serving up gospel-fueled courage to the Christian woman to remain faithful in her calling. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Fruitful and Fearless podcast. Lexi and Jordan hanging out here today. How are you, Jordan? Pretty good. How are you? Good. We have an icebreaker today since it's summertime and we love food. Hmm. Um, we're going to talk about some summer foods you've been cooking. So what have you been cooking, Jordan? Um, so I feel like these aren't necessarily like cooked things, but just some veggie things that we do a lot in the summertime are, so I do a little cute, like super easy cucumber salad and it's just cucumbers cut up with, um, like half, like if I was going to use two or three cucumbers, I do like half an onion, three quarters of an onion, um, cut up really small with it. And then sour cream and lemon juice and dill and salt. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just really good. Garden cucumbers are so good. Yeah. And then I just keep leftovers in the refrigerator. It's something that my mom made constantly. And she, it's like a kind of thing she always has in her refrigerator. Like Mm -hmm. there's always like some cucumbers and onions and different people make it differently. Some people just do it with, um, just vinegar. I think it's just vinegar and lemon juice. Oh yeah. That's kind of how my mom makes it like a red wine vinegar. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. but I like the creamy better, the dill better. I have a ton of herbs coming in right now. Do you? The herbs coming in? Um, kind of, yeah. Some I did a lot more medicinal herbs than I did like culinary herbs. So I've got a few <laughs> culinary, mostly medicinal though. Yeah. Um, thanks to my herb chart, I'm learning like all kinds of crops. <laughs> that, like, That's awesome. Oh, I didn't know Dill did that. Um, but then I also have been making tomato, mozzarella, basil. I think it's called caprese salad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever do that? Have so, you been making the mozzarella cheese? No, I haven't in a long time. Um, I haven't had a lot of milk in a long time, so I haven't made much. Oh yeah. Um, but I, we are getting, um, some cherry tomatoes now. So cherry tomatoes, basil, um, that has balsamic vinaigrette, olive oil, salt, mozzarella, technically mozzarella. Yeah. You know, the caprese stuff. Man, I have to be really careful because I see everyone's food is coming in and I can kind of start to panic. But most of our harvest isn't usually until next month, like towards the end of next month. Yeah. So. But I planted all my stuff so early just because we were quarantined. That's and I'm true. Like, I'm going to oh, yeah. greenhouse style and like made <laughs> windows awesome. to cover over it and planted all my mm-hmm. stuff in early March, um, which is much earlier than what I know. I normally don't plant till like the beginning of May. So that is early then. Yeah. But, you know, we were here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, might as well. Um, might as well try it. And I just kind of had in mind, like, if it doesn't work out, I'll just plant again later. But it Well, worked. you know now you could extend your season extra. I know. Again. I know. Super cool. And then I've also been making homemade ice cream, which is Jared actually mm. putting it together for tonight because we're having a Father's Day get together at our house tonight. So. What kind are you making for tonight? Um, just vanilla because my mom's making a peach cobbler. Oh, okay. But I'm doing oh, it. Vanilla is my favorite though. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Vanilla is my favorite ice cream. Um, doing it with the egg yolks, which makes it so stinking good. I need I think to do I that. You, I think I told you that recipe, but I'll tell all you guys. It's just, um, it doesn't make a huge batch, but I think I fed like, I don't know if you're just doing a small, like a scoop or two. Um, we just did it in like little teacups, um, one night after dinner, but I think I fed six people with it. Mm-hmm. But, and then we had some leftover, but it's a cup of heavy cream, a cup of whole milk, and you warm that up. And then in another saucepan, you do a half a cup of sugar and four egg yolks. 
And then once your milk gets kind of hot, you slowly whisk that into your sugar and egg yolks and then pour it all through a strainer to get any like egg yolk that may have scrambled. Mm-hmm. And then you just cool it down in the freezer for a little bit and then put it in your ice cream maker and it makes. So it really is a custard as opposed yes. to a, an ice cream. Mm, that's yeah. probably really good. Oh, and then there's two tablespoons, uh, hmm, teaspoons or tablespoons. Not sure. Two, a healthy amount of vanilla in it also. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's a ginger ice cream recipe that I really, really want to try. I just haven't, I don't have heavy cream right now. My fridge broke, so. I know. Ginger just makes me think of vomiting right now, so. <laughs> I don't know if I can get ginger-flavored ice cream. Maybe another time. Another time. Um, I want to do like a lavender ice cream, which I've had before, which is really good. Oh, my mom just made one. She oh. just made one. She oh, took really? it camping with us. It was really yeah. good, yeah. It was good? Okay. Yeah, it was good. She used the Tarani lavender syrup and then put lavender flowers from her garden in it and the tyranny syrup was so good mm, it sounds good okay what have you been making so, um well this is on my mind since i just made it today in the summertime i always try and find ways to use zucchini that's not just zucchini mm-hmm. raw or zucchini bread mm-hmm. so my friend kana had a really tasty um casserole that she brought over at the end of last summer and so i've been making that for like a summer side it's just zucchini and um <clears throat> summer so yellow squash also mm-hmm. and just super simple it's like eggs and cheese and flour I think and you just cook it up and it's just just another way to use one of those veggies that everyone is always overflowing with so mm-hmm. there's one in the prairie um, book that is a zucchini casserole and it has like parmesan oh, really? cheese and it's a really good one mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah I'm gonna have to ugh, I don't have that one hmm. I think it might be called I'm, like zucchini au gratin or something like that okay it's good my mom got a cookbook. It was a canning and preservation cookbook that she was showing me yesterday from a an Amish gal, I think it was. I ended up ordering it, but I'm going to try some. of. I always do cherry pie in the freezer, but I just don't have enough freezer space this year with how much we're actually, we're preserving more than usual this year. So I need to be able to can as much as possible. So I am going to try free uh, cherry pie filling canned. So I'm scared. Oh, I mean, that'd <laughs> be good. Honestly, it's so easy. It really is easy to can. It's just hard to get in the groove and figure out a new recipe. So yeah. do you use pressure cooker when you do cherries? Um, so this one is just a hot water bath. Okay. It, I don't know. That part's kind of confusing fruit. to me still. I've never, yeah, done I've never done fruit either. So I, sure I, I think you can, you can figure it out. You're a smart person. Yeah. Totally do it. It's just doing it the first time. Pressure can, yes, that's the thing. It's just the first time and you need a lot of time to can. So you can't just like do it in stages. You have to go one fell swoop. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. That's last summer I was doing so many tomatoes that I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. I just do a little bit every day. (laughs) So I was like, what kind of canning were they? um, Cherry tomatoes or large tomatoes? Large tomatoes. So you can't can cherry tomatoes the normal way like you can a normal tomato because you would have to skin every single one of them, which is kind of pointless. Oh my gosh. Tomato. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you can do like pickled cherry tomatoes and mm-hmm. cause last year I was asking for ideas and people sent me some ideas and there are some ways, but fermented ones with a basil are really good. Okay. Yeah. I pickled some cherry tomatoes and then it was like, it's almost like a fizzy tomato situation that I didn't really <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so I was like, oh. Effervescent tomatoes are not your thing. Like, I don't know about this. <laughs> That's funny. But, yeah. I ended up just pureeing a ton of them and just keeping them in the freezer. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So many cherry tomatoes, which came up volunteer, which is like, I still don't understand how That's that. awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, they're, there's like, they're growing in the cracks of my patio. Oh my gosh. You're not oh. even kidding. That's awesome. 
like you can smell them like you can smell that it's tomato plant oh yeah and I use that are you letting it grow then I let a couple grow yeah okay (laughs) I use that app of Jared's to be sure because I was like are these really tomatoes like it's gonna be hilarious if I put a bunch of these in solo cups and give them to my friends and it's like some random weed (laughs) yeah I double checked all of them they're all cherry tomatoes and now they're all growing and have like little cherry tomato buds on them so yeah (laughs) that's funny so random I didn't even know they would do that I didn't but I think it's those must be some strong seeds I'd save those yeah I think it's because I had so many cherry tomatoes last year that they were just dropping at the end of the summer it was like I'm done and they were just dropping and rotting (laughs) and the seeds were just going everywhere (laughs) that's awesome so anyway Shall we talk about cool. what we're going to talk about? Yeah, we are here. <laughs> we had. Um, I know we're going to do a separate gardening podcast. Yeah. Believe it or not, hey, too. Um, we're going to do like gardening, and we should also include like what we do, like this, like what we're talking about, what we do with our garden stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's a good idea. That I think that's the hardest part about gardening is trying to figure yeah. out what to do with it all. How to not just like chuck it in the weeds, <clears throat> getting overwhelmed. <laughs> this was a good idea in February. Now I hate it. <laughs> Okay, so tiny brown spot. You're gone. Okay, sorry. Anyway. <laughs> no, you're okay. <laughs> Obviously, we have a lot to say about it. Um, okay, so we had a question come in on Twitter, and it's kind of appropriate to talk about this given everything that happened with the Supreme Court this last week. Um, somebody was asking us to share a little bit of our uh, like college, what our, our decision making process looked like when we went to college, and what we think about college, and all of that sort of stuff. So I know we have touched on this briefly a little bit before. Um, so sorry if some of this is redundant, but um, do you want to just share briefly what you did and I'll share what I did and then kind of go from there, unpack what that looks like, a theology of upper education? Um, so I went to college. Um, I, I don't think my college decisions were based theologically, I've, t- I've told you and uh, the podcast before that some of that stuff happened for me after I started dating Jared, after we got married, um, after I got my hands on Elizabeth Elliot, <laughs> let me be a woman and all that kind of stuff. So, and started reading the Bible faithfully. <laughs> so um, I was a Christian um, uh, throughout high school and college, but just some of those, some of my theology on womanhood and the role of a woman hadn't really developed yet. So it's one to kind of say that before I say my college decisions. So I, um, God really blessed me financially and I was able to have a full scholarship at a junior college. And I went, um, and I was on a speech and theater scholarship and went and competed and did that. And it paid for, um, a hundred percent of my school. So that was awesome. And then, um, I transferred to SAU, which is a university here in Carbondale and, um, was there for two years on a scholarship as well up until like the last semester, which it ran out. It was like a political scholarship. And then my dad paid for my last semester. I say all that about the funding of scholarship, um, the funding of my college, because um, in my opinion, in my beliefs for girls going to college, money um, and how it's getting paid for should be mm-hmm. a huge determining determining factor on whether you're going to go to school. Yeah. Um, and whenever... I was in college and just, I, I graduated in 2010 and then we also got married in 2010. And I quickly realized after graduating um, that I was like an anti-feminist before I knew why I was an anti-feminist because I was telling mm. multiple <laughs> young married women um, that they shouldn't go to college. Uh, 
And the reason that I was saying that is because I was seeing women get married and desire to stay home, um, desire to have babies and be able to raise them at home and work faithfully out of their homes. And um, finances were one of the biggest um, roadblocks for them to be able mm-hmm. to do that. So I was like <laughs> encouraging all the young engaged and young married people like, hey, maybe don't go to college if you aren't getting it fully funded. Um, Mm-hmm. Just because once you graduate, those um, those financial loans, uh, student loans are there, and um, if you're having to pay those, those can be um, a big hesitation for uh, your husband being encouraging for you to be home. Are you feeling comfortable? Are you guys feeling comfortable as a couple um, for you to be able to stay home? So, I oh, I also I went. Um, my degree is in well, it's under the School of Journalism. It's advertising, integrated marketing communications hmm. okay that, yeah i think sometimes you were wanting I, to cover yeah yeah that totally okay. does i just want to since i'm thinking about it right now too i think i think some girls kind of um their parents expect them to go to college and mm-hmm. so they don't necessarily know how to say no and i think i think if you are a parent out there you're not somebody considering this for themselves but consider the fact that maybe your daughter doesn't want to go to college and be considering now how you can be open to that or even help her with that financial burden if you do want her to go to college. But um, I mean, honestly, just to be straight up honest, there's no scripture that says we have to attend college. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I think it's just assumed. Yes. It's just assumed that everyone yeah. will graduate high school and then go to college. Um, and so I think the church having just, um, just a pragmatic approach to like, if girls don't go to college, what does being fruitful in their community and life and family look like if they're not going to immediately mm-hmm. get married or something like that. Um, because yeah. I think a lot of girls will be like, well, if I graduate from high school and don't go to college, what am I going to do? You know, what yeah. does all the time go? So I think, yeah. um, I think. I and that's hard because I understand. I can see that temptation. Yeah. I think we can grow um, just in like having ideas for young women. Oh, of, yes. Of yes. How to spend that time and encourage the church them. definitely can grow in that sort of a way. Yeah. Okay. So what's your, um, yeah, so I graduated high, I graduated with my associate's degree from college before I graduated from high school. Um, so that was a huge, like check the box sort of thing. If nothing else, at least I have my associate's degree, but my parents paid for that. And they're, you know, a lot of high schools nowadays offer like concurrent enrollment type things. Yeah. Yeah. Was it dual credit? What'd you say? Was it Mm -hmm. dual credit? Well, some of it was, some of it was dual. Some of it was just I kind of went back to high school knowing that I was ultimately just going to be on the college campus during my high school years, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. So I just had a weird high school experience, but, um, and when I mean went back to high school, I was homeschooled before that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I did that and then I got a scholarship as a result of doing that. And I think they still have this across the nation, but so the little bit of difference there that I it was like a 75% scholarship. And then I wrote for the newspaper on campus. So that made up the other difference. So the same thing as you, I don't necessarily know if we would have been able to afford me going to school if um, we had to pay for it all. Mm-hmm. But I even, let's see, what was it? I think it was the first semester into my last two years. I was just really struggling with how liberal the campus was. And just, I was taking a lot of the literature courses at that point because my degree is in creative writing. And I just was not prepared for like, I wasn't enjoying it because so much of it was not what I believed. 
So I really, 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 really wanted to quit, but Brian would not let me, which I'm grateful for because we didn't have kids at that point. I didn't, I did work, but I didn't, we weren't relying on me to work. Um, but he wouldn't let me quit as in most things. So I stuck it out and I'm really glad that I did. And I, so I finished, um, my degree. And after that, I didn't, I haven't like gone on to get my master's or anything. And the thing is too, like all the jobs that I've had that have been writing jobs were not because of my degree. So, um, it was just, you know, it's an interest I truly had. And if you are interested in something and you're good at it, um, that's going to show, we see that from the Proverbs. Mm -hmm. So just continue at your crafts, I guess, and your skills and don't necessarily worry about your degree. If you feel like the only option, you're good at something, but the only option is a degree, I guess I would just argue with you. Otherwise, scripture seems to say otherwise that um, a man who is good at his craft will stand before kings. So just keep practicing your skill. Yes. And I think that's kind of what we would say even after after college. If you do go get a degree, you need to continue your education somehow as a Christian. Oh, absolutely. So I mean, and I are, think there are very few degrees that I'm like, oh, you definitely would need a, need a um, degree for that job, for that career. Um, yeah. Like being a doctor, for example. <laughs> like there's oh, a few yes, things yes, that yes. it's like, okay, you definitely have to get a degree for that. But like writing anything in the creative fields, like if you're Mm -hmm. good at it, get an internship with someone who's really skilled, just learn all that you can and keep doing it. If you're skilled at it, people will want you to do that for them. Well, (laughs) and I'm curious, um, I think Jared views this the same way that Brian does. So I somewhat hesitate saying this, but I think a lot of the times too, the way we practice even seminaries in America Mm. is not necessarily um, necessary for ministry anymore. Oh yeah. So 100 Um, yeah. And I, I mean, there's, we're because of the shepherd's crook, we are in contact with a lot of pastors and their wives and so many pastors and wives are like seminary was a joke for me, you know, or like, or (sighs) like said things or taught them things that are like completely contrary to what they actually think that uh, a philosophy (laughs) of ministry is like, you know, things like that. So, um, not all, not all seminaries are bad or whatever, but, um, there's just a lot of things in our world today (laughs) that you can just dive in and be a self-taught learner, you know, a lifelong learner. Yeah. And I did want to know the context of this question came in because I personally said that teaching colleges of teaching ruined America. (laughs) And, um, I also wanted to clarify that I did not go to a college of teaching, so I'm not at all associated with that. They just literally completely ruined America. So, okay. um, I need that there. What are you talking about? Okay, so before or before like around 1900, there was no such thing as you couldn't necessarily get a degree in education. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, my minor is in child development, so I did teach for a little bit. But after that, teaching. Okay, so if you wanted to go be a teacher, you would learn the subjects. You would learn history. You would learn grammar. You would learn math, and you would teach the subject. Now you have to get a degree in teaching or a degree in education. You're not necessarily taught the content. And if you want to go that sort of a route, you go to a teaching college. But what happened with that was that the teaching colleges came out, came about as a result of secular humanism and secular anthropology. So literally 1900 is the the date in history. I say this all the time before that. Um, school, the public school system was markedly different. After that, people, um, I'm trying to think of some of the big names, uh, like Dewey and Horace Mann, 
they were able to so quickly change the landscape of public education in America because they were indoctrinating the teachers at these teaching colleges and the parents. So you and I, a local, you know, a local um, public school family didn't know what they were teaching in these teaching colleges. We were still assuming they were pumping them out through the universities, uh, but they were not. So what was happening was they were fully indoctrinated in this completely secular um, worldview and they were going, they were the next generation to come into the public school landscape. So overnight, these graduates were coming in and the landscape. And you can even look when in books written in those time periods. I'm reading um, uh, Lark Rise to Candleford right now. It's very, very common from novels kind of during those time periods to reference the older generation of teachers and the new generation of teachers mm -hmm. for that exact reason. Yeah. Um, and so the teachers' colleges were very liberal very quickly. And then the universities have all been following. And that's part of what we wanted to talk about too yeah. with the Supreme mm -hmm. Court ruling is yeah. they're kind of just catching up. It's being made more and more obvious what they're actually trying to do in universities yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about not that long ago, the Harvard article against homeschooling yeah. and, and how, um, you know, but the government will have no say over um, a child's moral beliefs. And it's like, yeah, it, mm -hmm. okay, now we're, now we're being clear that the government is trying to have a say over a child's moral beliefs. Oh, very clear. And um, even, I mean, I can't remember, Jared told me about an article recently that was basically saying like within the first year of a freshman being on campus, um, every like biblical doctrine will be challenged through just like mm -hmm. the 101 courses that you'll have to take. And, oh yeah. And that's why so many, um, so many Christian students go to universities and come back like mm -hmm. completely confused about their beliefs. Yeah. I think too, um, most people say, well, you know, if you want to get an engineering degree or if you want to get a, a doctor's degree, not a doctor's degree, if you want to become a doctor, you have to go to those kind of schools. And I would really, we have a lot of work to do within Christian culture. So first of all, don't give up. Second of all, um, who do you think started the colleges for people like doctors to begin with? Those are all Christians. Those were not secular humanists were coming up with that. They didn't care about people. Christians were systematically figuring out how to train people to take care of the sick. So we, in a way, we really need to take a lot of that back for that. That belongs to us. That does not belong to the secular universities. Um, and so that that's thinking on a large scale, but on a small scale, I think we really you know, immediately when I heard what was happening with the Supreme Court, I was thinking of Bonhoeffer, how they had to go do the underground seminaries, basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we might get to a time in our, in our nation where all of Christian education is, is um, unaccredited, but that just has to be something that we're willing okay to, with. yeah, totally. yeah, just be okay with. Yeah. And I think um, just being Christian parents that are aware that that is the goal with secular universities, secular schools, that the goal is mm -hmm. deconstructing a Christian world worldview. Um, mm -hmm. And even at SIU, we had a friend that was a professor there that was like, Marxism is strong at SIU. Like that is the mm. common belief at SIU. So there's just so many things um, that if you do send your kid to a public university, just be aware, like be aware, be completely training them if you decide to do mm -hmm. that, which man, that'd be a big decision. I'm glad that my kids aren't there at that age yet, but, um, yeah, be aware and be training them to know that that's what's coming down the pipeline for them. Ben Merkel used as the analogy that, um, statistically your child was more likely to survive Normandy than to survive college as a Christian. <laughs> I saw that. that was on man rampant, wasn't it? 
I don't know. I was listening. His lectures are really good through the NSA podcast um, channel, I guess. He has some really good okay. um, lectures on there. I so that's like where I heard it. I feel that stat on Man Rampant. If, it may have not been the only Probably. Part, yeah, I remember being like, oh my gosh. Like storming the beaches that day. <laughs> More I guess so. Likely. Something too to just be aware of, like if you are a parent whose child is approaching college age and you're wondering how to find a good college, um, usually just ask, like, do you take any government money? If mm -hmm. you do, I would probably say no, skip that one. <laughs> um, if they don't and they're fully private and fully funded by private, um, even that, even some of that is changing. I don't know what that's going to look like literally in this next year, but yeah. as private as possible, no government money. Those are the colleges you want to be sticking with that have a, an actual Christian um, worldview and a Christian confession of faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, sometimes that means that we have to be more prepared as parents financially to be able to pay for that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. it's not, not always the same kind of um, financial help that there is at university. Scholarships. Yeah. yeah that kind of stuff. So, um, that means for my family, like my kids are little. So that means me thinking now about mm -hmm. going to college, me putting money away for them now so that that's yep. not a hardship on them. And that, that, so that that doesn't become a deciding factor in what they do. Mm -hmm. I think too, something I had talked with another one of my friends about was if, if you're going to, if your doctor, if your doctor, sorry, if your daughter is pursuing college as a parent, something that I am preparing myself for is to hold my daughter's college education with an open hand. I don't know if she might get through her first semester in college and meet somebody and want to be married and want to stop college. And that, if that's the Lord's plan for her, uh, I have to trust that he's equipping her for that specific season and for that um, vocational calling as a wife. And that that one semester of college, that's all God had for her. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. think that too, the difference is when you're switching your view from a pragmatic education to a, um, a liberal arts education, mm -hmm. um, you realize a liberal arts training is training you to be human. You're not worried about getting through all the pragmatic job training necessarily, but you're thinking in terms of growing in your humanity, which you can do on a college campus and off of a college campus. Yeah. So absolutely. I just wanted to make that little note. Yeah. So, yeah. So those are some of our thoughts on colleges. <laughs> yeah. If you guys have any further questions, I know it's kind of, a weird topic right now and it, it honestly it'll be really interesting to see how this unfolds over the next yes. year or so yeah so we'll stay updated yeah. <laughs> all right everybody thanks for listening bye thank you so much for listening to the fruitful and fearless podcast this show is a part of the ministry of the shepherd's crook the shepherd's crook exists to remind pastors of jesus through care coaching resources and events we have also started the shepherd's crook for wives Jordan and Lexi are contributing articles to the site, and you can find all the information at theshepherdscrook.co.